Welcome to Two Open Doors, the podcast that explores our power to open or close the doors of relationship with the important people in our lives. We hope you'll learn from and share your wisdom with our community. Thanks for joining us. As we've discussed in prior episodes, our relationships fulfill a variety of needs that we have as humans. Different relationships can address different needs. For that reason, it's important for us to determine what we seek from each of our relationships. As a framework for considering your relationship needs, it's useful to think about the various perspectives that have been proposed for describing human needs. In this episode, we'll review one such well-known framework, and we'll consider how that model of needs has evolved. I'll close with some of my own thoughts as to what needs are served by our relationships. We humans encounter a wide variety of needs in seeking our physical survival, in interacting with others, and in developing our human potential. Many or most of those needs play out in the pursuit of our relationships with others. In a groundbreaking paper published in 1943, the psychologist Abraham Maslow, one of the founders of humanistic psychology which seeks to develop human potential, describes a hierarchy of needs that spans the many things that motivate people to survive and thrive. That hierarchy is usually depicted as a pyramid. It's structured that way because Maslow believed that the needs at the bottom of the pyramid must be satisfied before a person can access and pursue needs that are higher up in the hierarchy. For example, basic physiological subsistence needs, such as food and shelter, need to be satisfied before a person can focus on psychological needs, such as the need for belonging and love. That scheme makes a lot of intuitive sense, but it turns out that there's little experimental evidence to validate Maslow's detailed proposal. Most of the contention over his scheme applies to the upper levels of the pyramid, such as self-actualization and transcendence. In 2010, a group of psychologists revisited the Maslow hierarchy to try to put it on a factual footing. That group reconsidered human motivation from an evolutionary theory perspective that drew from evolutionary biology, anthropology, and psychology. The resulting needs pyramid resembles Maslow's hierarchy in its bottom four levels. However, it differs significantly in its top levels, dispensing with Maslow's proposed self-actualization level and substituting the family and relationship-oriented levels of mate acquisition, mate retention, and parenting. Those three levels are all different facets of reproduction, which of course is foundational to any evolutionary biology view of motivation. Like Maslow's proposal, the revised seven levels can be grouped into the categories of basic needs at the bottom, psychological needs above that, and self-fulfillment needs at the top. While Maslow proposed that each of the needs levels must be completely satisfied from the bottom and working upward, the revised scheme proposes that all of the needs levels overlap one another, and that any level can become relevant based on a person's current circumstances. In that scheme, needs can arise at a level above a lower, not yet fully fulfilled, level. For example, a desire for esteem can arise even if a person's affiliation or social needs have not yet been fully met. It seems to me intuitively reasonable to drop Maslow's insistence on satisfying needs fully and progressively from bottom to top. While evolutionary biology certainly seems like a sound basis for determining human survival needs, it's less obvious to me that a biological basis should determine our higher-level needs at the psychological, social, and self-fulfillment levels. 
In prior episodes, we've seen that attachment theory explains how we learn to relate to others and how we come to see ourselves or internally model ourselves. Attachment theory addresses our survival needs and our initial formation of a self-image as infants. Attachment thus seems to be a useful perspective to adopt in identifying human needs at both the low level, like Maslow's hierarchy, but also at the higher level, including psychological and self-fulfillment needs. Recall that in the process of becoming attached to its primary caregiver, an infant assesses two different things. First, whether its physical needs, such as for food, warmth, attention, and hygiene, are adequately met. And second, whether the caregiver makes the infant feel worthy of being loved and cared for. The first has to do with the infant's physical survival, while the second plants the seeds for the infant's sense of self-worth. The first constitutes an assessment of the infant's external environment, while the second is an assessment of the infant's internal sense of self. In my new attachment-based needs hierarchy, we can retain the same three categories of levels as for the Maslow and revised Maslow pyramids, the basic needs, the psychological needs, and the self-fulfillment needs. The new scheme needs only four levels within these categories, but each level has two components that correspond to the two focus areas for attachment, that is, an external assessment part that focuses on a person's interactions with their environment, and an internal assessment part that focuses on a person's self-identity. At the bottom-most basic needs level, a person's external assessment covers subsistence and safety needs, such as food, housing, clothing, sex, and freedom from excessive fear, and a person's internal assessment addresses things that affect one's sense of self-worth, or self-esteem, or self-confidence. The middle psychological needs category includes two separate layers, a social needs layer at the bottom and an affiliative needs layer above that. This arrangement reflects the fact that social interchange is essential to people's psychological well-being, placing those needs just above the survival level basic needs layer. One's personal, or more intimate, individual connections are drawn from our broader pool of general social connections, so it's appropriate to put the affiliative, or personal relationships layer, above the social needs level. At the social needs level, a person's external assessment covers one's needs for social recognition of one's achievements, for one's contributions to society, and a person's internal assessment addresses things that affect one's sense of place in society, along with the attendant's self-respect. At the affiliative needs level, a person's external assessment covers one's need for a sense of belonging to various groups within a society, and a person's internal assessment addresses things that affect one's sense of autonomy, or freedom of choice, and of physical and emotional intimacy with the special people in one's life. Finally, the top of the pyramid is occupied by self-fulfillment needs. Those needs exist beyond the lower-level needs that enable physical, psychological, and emotional thriving. They describe needs that affect people and things beyond or outside of the individual. At that uppermost level, a person's external assessment covers one's legacy, or the impact that one makes on the world, even beyond one's lifetime. That legacy might include lasting high-impact works or accomplishments, as well as the creation of progeny, or any lasting impact on family or society at large. And a person's internal assessment addresses the possibility of one's sense of transcendence, or of connection with something that exists outside of oneself, but with which one has contact and a place of belonging. 
transcendence might be reflected in religious beliefs or in a sense of spiritual connection to others and to the world. All of the preceding thoughts about the hierarchy of human motivation lead us to consider what we want in our own intimate relationships. Certainly, safety and respect from our partner ranks at the top of our list, but that's a pretty low bar to set. Similarly, at the social needs level, we want to know that we hold an important place in our partner's life, and we want to be able to respect who we are in that relationship. The real magic of a fulfilling, intimate relationship happens at the affiliative needs level and above. We want to feel a sense of belonging with our partner, and a sense that they also desire that from us. To complement that sense of togetherness, we want to feel confident in our autonomy. We want our relationship to reflect our active choice to be in that relationship. We seek the intimacy of being truly seen, known, and valued by our partner, even as we reciprocate that toward our partner. In a truly special relationship, we're able to transcend ourselves in the company of our partner. In such a relationship, words seem superfluous, time can stand still, and bodies, minds, and spirits can flow together like melting wax. To me, that sort of experience is a crowning jewel of a life well-lived. To learn more about Two Open Doors and to engage with our community, I'd like to invite you to visit the Two Open Doors private Facebook group for posts and discussion and the Two Open Doors meetup group for events. I also invite you to contact me directly by writing to me at claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, at twoopendoors.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'll use your inputs to guide my work on future blog posts and podcast episodes. Thanks for visiting Two Open Doors.